0: Welcome to the Riverside Church podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We have gone through a number of kings and we've been intentional to try to pull out the ones that would be probably best talked about and you can read this later at home the summary of the wicked king and that's the title for today. We're talking about Manasseh Manasseh was known as one of the evilest And wickedest kings there ever was In Judah Again if you recognize the maps And know where we're at geographically Israel was The tribes of Israel were divided Into two sections And there were the northern kingdom There was the northern kingdom The southern kingdom And Israel was at the top And then Jerusalem was at the bottom The kingdom of Judah Manasseh was in Judah in Jerusalem, and his father Hezekiah, as we learned last week, did everything that was right in the sight of God. He had a walk with God. He was related to the prophet Isaiah, who the prophet Isaiah is one of the prophets within the Old Testament that's very well known for his words and the insight that he had and concerning the future of Israel. Even even professed and prophesied that. The coming Messiah would come. There there would be a king whose government would never end. He would really come to establish it forever. And that's the kingdom of God. And and that's where we're living right now, in the kingdom. In the kingdom. And it will continue after this life, and it will never end. But he had a son. After his death, at the age of 12, he took the reins. And he did everything that was wrong in the eyes of God and undid everything that was right that his father had done. And I want to read you here in Second Kings chapter 21. 2 Kings chapter 21, and it says this in verse 10. And the Lord spoke to his servants, the prophets, saying, because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, he has acted more wickedly than all the Amorites who are before him. has also made Judah sin with his idols therefore thus saith the Lord the God of Israel behold I am bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and Judah that whoever hears of it both his ears will tingle and I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plummet of the house of Ahab who was another wicked king And I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. So I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies. And they shall become victims of plunder to all their enemies. Because they have done evil in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day of their fathers that they came out of Egypt to this day right now. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood, till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other, besides his sin by which he made Judah sin in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. In doing evil in the sight of the Lord. The question I have to ask myself really when I begin to study about Manasseh is why and how did he become so evil when he had a father that was so good? Um, It's not the first time we see a father who loved God that had children that completely rebelled. I think the extraction from this portion of Scripture, it's really based on his idols. Manasseh had idols that he worshipped and caused the children of God to sin. But his father tore down those idols. So at some point, Manasseh went in his own way. And I got to tell you, there couldn't be a worse time for a God to become king than the age of 12. I mean, can you imagine? We think we've got things tough now. Can you? I don't care what part of the party you're on. I'm just telling you that can you imagine right now the nation us as america looking at the television screens and going a 12 year old that's where that's where they were living and if you can imagine if you've ever dealt with a teenager lord jesus help us today god give us wisdom and insight in your precious name everybody say amen one more time, just because he's worthy. Give him a hand clap, just because he's worthy. Thank you, Lord. We honor you. We'll never stop honoring you, Lord. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for coming to Riverside to worship. Um, for those of you that are watching online, that are traveling uh, for spring break, have a wonderful time. Uh, we'll keep the fire burning for you, and uh, we can't wait to see you when you get back. So, all of these kings were, some of them were good at their private life. Some of them were good at their private life of living and they had a devotion. But sad to say, so many of them failed at parenting. I'm going to go beyond um, just the reign of a king and I'm just going to look at, try to tried to diagnose a little bit from the scripture and from a parent a parental uh, perspective why Manasseh did what he did and how we could learn from it if you're taking notes please take notes today and, and jot some things down I will say that the first service there were some things that popped out of my mouth I was like man I hope somebody wrote that down because that wasn't me I mean have you ever had somebody tell you man that was great advice and you're like what advice You know, you remember the advice that you gave, and then you're like, I said that? It must have been God. So take notes today, because there's some nuggets of wisdom and truth that will pop out, surprisingly. God is so good to help us understand what we need to do. I've I've sat down with people just recently in the past few weeks, and um, tell me that they didn't really understand the importance of the Old Testament until we started breaking it down to help them understand how it ties into our New Testament belief system and it's very true that, that if you'll pay attention to how the kings lived how the prophets lived how the priests lived great, you'll, you'll have great insight to the, your new covenant with God because you were called to be priests and kings you're called to be kings because Jesus reigns in you and you have the kingdom in you in the form of the Holy Spirit. God has placed you in a perimeter of your life. If you're a leader, if you're a dad, and you have a family, then your home is your kingdom. Now, you may say to yourself, that's not a very big kingdom. Let me help you and help you understand It's not the size of your real estate. It's the precious people that live in it. It's the people that are there in your life that mean the world. Anytime I looked at the scripture and I began to look at kings like Manasseh, you got to try to figure out what was it about them? What did they do? Here's a summary of Manasseh's life if you look at it. Well, first of all, we know he took the rain at the age of 12, the rain at age of 12, which isn't the best time to take the reign. but there was another one of his descendants that took the reign at age eight. So, you know, God knows who to choose, but again, it's up to the individual how I believe they were raised and how they were trained and how... What their perspective of and who's there to influence them? Manasseh didn't have much of an influence except those that worshipped idols. He made his son pass through the fire of worshiping idols. He offered his sons before Moloch and all the false gods that he had to worship. He would put them much like his grandfather. Ahaz who put his sons also in the altar and burned them alive to suffice the gods. He worshipped idols. This is something that to us is so far-fetched. But is it? Or have we just given it different names? Instead of using fire have we Use surgical tools. I'll let you put the pieces to the puzzle together. I'm just simply telling you, no matter your view of politics or no matter what your perspective may be, a life is a life and is precious in the eyes of God. Especially the life of a child. He practiced soothsaying. He used witchcraft. Consulted with spiritualists and mediums. He was all in. When it came to demon worship and counsel, he had them at his beck and call. He would go to mediums, and he would seek witches and those that would try to give him direction by worshiping God and appeasing them. And the nation followed. The nation followed because he also set high places around. Every place that his father Hezekiah had tore down, he rebuilt. So he rebuilt the high places which his father had destroyed. He rebuilt them all. He raised up altars for Baal and worshiped a wooden image. He would build these images and he would purposely begin to set up systems and assign people and priests to worship these gods and the sheep followed. Wherever the shepherd leads, the sheep will follow. He became a leader to the people. Just because he was a wicked leader doesn't mean he was a leader. He wasn't a leader. Wicked people, evil people, bad people, bad attitude people can still lead people. People are going to follow you no matter what your perspective is, no matter where your mindset comes from or ideologies, if you're in a place of influence if you're a father especially if you're a father or a mother or a parent or a business owner or a boss whatever and whoever you are as a leader in the community um, you're going to have people follow you based on what you do more than what you say manasseh did everything wrong he performed every wrong thing he worshiped the host of heaven and served them in other words He would worship angels. The host of heaven refers to fallen angels, spiritual wickedness in high places. He worshiped all of them, many gods, many gods. He even set up a carved image of Asherah that he made, and he put it in the actual house of God. Not only did he set up the high places, he put an idol of a false god inside the temple which, listen, to me, that doesn't tempt God either because God can't be tempted. It didn't bother God in the sense of himself because we read before when the Philistines put the ark in front of a god and Dagon fell down to his face. So I don't think it affected God. I think what affected God was how he led by example to deceive the people. So it makes you begin to try to wonder how and why did this happen, and where was the wrong? Where did he get off track? I started to look at this, and I, I began to just study a little bit, and I started thinking to myself that do we really need to blame Manasseh, or do we need to look back at the parents? Or look at back at the environment and the community, and the people that he surrounded himself with, the false counsel, the people who, Manipulated him from the age of 12. A 12 year old has friends. At 12 years old, I don't know if he was, I don't think he was all business. I think it was a lot of pleasure there. But there were some principles that weren't instilled inside of him. When I look at great leaders in the Bible, when I begin to look and study this out, and I'm sure you have as well, that you'll find out that people like Moses, Even though they grew up in Egypt under different gods, Egyptians had many gods. And although they grew up under that, he was not a devil worshiper. Why was that? As he grew older, he began to feel the call of God in his life. But Moses, unlike other people, had his mother with him during the formidable years of his life. Moses' mother raised him. Moses' mother was his nurse. During that time, I do believe with all of my heart that mama began to get and quote the word of God of what she knew, that mama would literally begin to know and give the history of what she knew. Anything that she knew concerning her God, I believe, was instilled within Moses. I believe that she covered him with prayer, I believe that she had him, nursed him, and she took the responsibility of understanding that one day he would be a great man, that there's a reason why she let him go through the bulrush and through the river, and God brought him back to her. That was a miracle, and I think she sensed the purpose within Moses' life and took the responsibility and said, God gave me back my son, and I'm going to give my son back to God. This is the same thing that happened to Samuel. How could Samuel live in the house of Eli with his rebellious sons and still turn out the way he did? Because of a mama who had him during the important years of his life and what she did to instill into him who he was and what he was going to be. She said, Lord, if you'll give me a son, I'm going to give him back to you. He's not mine. He's yours. All of these men who were used by God had good mamas. Not all of us grew up in a spirit-filled home. I didn't. But I had good parents. But they didn't know God like I know God today. They didn't know the Bible like I know the Bible today. I could recite prayers from my denomination growing up for 19 years, and I can give you the prayers to every idol that we prayed to. I grew up in a home that did not believe in a form of worship or prayer outside of its repetition of religious beliefs. What are you trying to say? I grew up Catholic. I can quote the Hail Mary. I can tell you what, and I can tell you the number of beads possibly. That's no offense to anyone who's part of, came out of, the, of Catholicism, but it's my testimony. My testimony was, is that I wasn't allowed to read the Bible because it was just meant for certain people to read. The priest, back when I was In this and that, we were limited. But one day, God found me. One day, God found me as I got hungry and started to seek him out. One day, God began to teach me. But there's something that stayed with me all of my life that God had to deliver me from. He had to deliver me from religious mindsets. I had good parents. My father died when I was very young. I grew up without a father, but I I was raised in a single-parent home. I was the worst of all of my brothers and sisters, my sister. My brother still can't believe that I'm a pastor today. Like, how in the world? He was the worst one. There are obstacles we have to overcome from our childhood, and we can never use them for an excuse to say, I'm not a good person because I didn't have a dad. I didn't have a dad either, but I've got the Holy Ghost now. I have Jesus Christ in my life. I have a purpose. I have a reason. Manasseh didn't have what we had. The prophets and those looked into something that we have today, and this is the revelation, and this is where gratitude comes in. You have been given a different disposition of perspective you've been given a different experience you were you've been given you and I have been given something called the spirit of God in our life because of the blood of the lamb that was shed for you and I we are covered and we are forgiven and God gives us a new slate every single day his mercies are renewed every single morning If they wanted this back in the Old Testament, they had to shed the blood and kill animals. They had to have a high priest go into the presence of God for them. They didn't have what we had. So we are blessed. We are blessed. Can I just simply tell you, never, ever, ever take church for granted. Never take the presence of God for granted. Never, ever take the blood of Jesus for granted. You got to know what we've got. Church is more than lights, camera, action, music. Go home and get full and come get a good cup of coffee. Start throw that in there for you. It's open throughout the week. saying, church is more than that. You are the church, and you are the temple of the living God, and you have the choice what idols you're going to allow there or disallow. We can have idols still in our life. I can't get off of this. I have so much more to say, and I was going to say so many other things, but in this service, Here's what I believe the Spirit of God wants to do. The Spirit of God wants to take every idol from our life and cast it out. Cast it out because it's stopping the blessings of God. But I'm going to go deeper and tell you and show you that the idols that we worship are going to affect your entire family. They will infect, not just affect, infect them learning begins in the womb that's how sensitive we are learning begins at the womb it's a fact harvard's done a study universities have done the study over and over and over a child's education begins while the child is in the womb of its mother the children in the womb can hear the voice of their parents The child can feel the emotions of the mother. If the the mother is under stress and anxiety, that child will have stress and anxiety. The child will eat and be nourished by what the mother eats and drinks. In the womb, the child still is trained, educated, and influenced it's so early. How much more in the latter part of our lives as in the formative years between the ages of one and five year old, five years old, they say it's the most influential part of a child's life. I want to talk to those of you that have been living for God for maybe a year to maybe five years or so and tell you don't waste your time right now by worshiping and giving attention to other things that can't help you. I want you to know that if you'll allow yourself to bear the burden of your youth and carry on your worship and your praise and learn how to be consistent in this time frame in your life, by the time you get past a certain mark in your life, you'll have something instilled inside of you that will never leave you. It'll never leave you. I remember when I first got saved, I always wanted to do a 21-day fast. And in an attempt to do that, I ended up eating 1 meal a day for a year almost. Let me tell you why. Cuz every day I failed, I would start again. And I'd carry my little gallon of lemon water and honey to work. Wouldn't eat nothing. I'm fasting today as a new convert. I'm Fasting, when God first saved me, I heard about fasting. I heard fasting makes you powerful. I heard fasting uh, just gives you clarity. I heard fasting increases your sensitivity. I want more of God. I want more of God. And I was zealous. And every time I fasted, by the time I got home, my wife was cooking fried chicken. Sorry, Lord, I'll start again tomorrow. And that happened day after day after for a year, one meal a day. Because I kept failing. But that one meal a day ended up going further when I was able to condition myself. Then I added a day, two days, three days, four days, five days, seven days. This all happened in a span of five years. Every year, every year before work, headed to the church. My pastor was so good to me. gave me a key. When someone gives you a key to something, they're telling you, I trust you. Don't take it lightly. My pastor gave me a key and said, I know you like to pray. You can come and pray. I went to that Sunday school room, and I'd pray every day after work, and I'd go in that sanctuary and pray every morning at 6 o'clock in the morning before anybody got there. When I put the kids to bed at night, my wife and I, and they were all sleeping, I snuck out and went to the church to pray again until sometimes I didn't get any sleep at night. I just stayed there, and I didn't see any change, but after a while, I recognized I don't do these things anymore. I don't think that way anymore. I have different desires in my life, but it took time. You got to learn how to learn how to walk with God walk with God I'm not trying to brag but I want to give somebody some hope and tell you I didn't have a father in my life but now I've got a good father a good good father so don't use that for an excuse and say I didn't have the right parents I didn't have the right atmosphere I was like Manasseh my father was religious but he never taught me how to pray and worship with him you've got something that Everyone desired to look into in the old testament. You have the blood of the Lamb, you have the Spirit of God, you have hope in your life. Somebody say, I can do all things. Say it with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Give God some praise and tell him, Thank you. Thank you. Look at your neighbor and tell them, No excuses, no excuses. If a child can be formed in the womb of the church, then then how much more shall new people to all of our seniors that are here? Spiritually, I want to tell you that God is sending new people to Riverside Church, and they're being born in the womb of the church. And how we act, how we live, what we do is going to affect them. It's going to affect them. We have a chance to influence and raise God's children. And I think God blesses that. I think God blesses that. There are people that have been living for God for years in this place, and you are a leader. But more than that, you're a leader in your home. And you've been called to reign with Christ. That's right, reign. I can show you in the scripture. Through the spirit of God, we are seated with him. In heavenly places far above all principality, darkness, evil, and spiritual wickedness. I don't care what comes your way or who puts a curse on you or what tries to come against you. Greater is he that is inside of you because your spirit is seated with him in heavenly places. He's far above it. He has a name that's above every name in the heaven and in the earth. He told the apostles, my father hath given all power unto me. You have the ability and a responsibility. You and I have an ability and a responsibility to raise kings. Point number one, you're called to be kings and raise kings. Only kings can raise kings. Unfortunately, not every king within the scripture was good at parenting. I don't know what they taught their children. Maybe they taught them how to negotiate with other countries and other people. Maybe they taught them how to be co- politically correct, to survive in a heathen, na- around in the center, being in the center of a na- heathen nation, and people that didn't believe what they believe. Well, I will tell you that's very similar to what we're living in right now. Not everybody's going to believe the way you believe, and if you believe different, then you're an outcast. You will either be motivated to prove them wrong by letting the glory of God come into your life and bless you, or you will succumb to it and bow down to their gods. You will either be driven to your knees to worship God and worship him harder, or you're going to ease up and idle and put yourself in neutral and just be pleasing to everybody. One of the two things will happen in your life as a Christian believer, because I hate to say it, but there are a lot of other Christians that have messed it up for the rest of us. A lot of other people have done things, hypocritical things confusing things don't believe everyone that says i'm a christian anybody can say i'm a christian or i'm a believer or i'm this or i'm that it's not what they say it's what they do and the same goes for us it's not what we say it's how we live how we live i don't know what happened to manasseh but he became so rebellious Here's how wicked he was. Are you ready? What's this? Hezekiah, his father, married Isaiah the prophet's daughter. They had a son. His name was Manasseh. Manasseh, according to history, killed Isaiah, by putting him in a hollow tree, and they sawed him in half. Who was Isaiah to Manasseh? His grandfather. Why? Because of their core belief of differences. Isaiah didn't compromise, he had served the Lord for three kings, he was faithful solid but can I just infuse my imagination a little bit I'm not saying this is in the bible but but you know people I know know people enough to know that could it be that Manasseh was beginning to do things that were contrary to what his father had done and that his grandfather was there around there after his death to try to help him and try to steer him in the right direction and this 12 year old spoiled brat Said, so I didn't got to do what you're telling me to do. I'm the king. Who are you, grandfather or not? And all his homies around him. Yo, hey, Manasseh, listen to this old guy, man. you're the king, dude, right? Manasseh was Mexican. In case you don't know it, every character in the Bible for me is Mexican. I don't know the other voices. Like, who was around Manasseh to give him counsel, to tell him what's right, what's wrong? It wasn't the people that were with Hezekiah, his father, because when Isaiah, his grandfather, came in, he had him killed. Not only that, he killed his own children. He was going with the flow of the culture. Who do we blame for this? Who do we we blame? The people that were influencing him are the people that had a chance to influence him and didn't. The people who had a chance to teach him but did not teach him. Did not set a good example. And I got to tell you, there are kings, not all of them were perfect. But even the ones that weren't perfect knew how to repent. But they didn't teach their children how to repent. David was known as one of the, the greatest kings there ever was to unite all the tribes of Israel. Establish God's law. Put the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant back in Jerusalem. But even then, out of David's loins... A son tried to kill him, and another caused a civil war, or wanted to. But Solomon came in, and Solomon was blessed. Solomon understood. Solomon started off right. Solomon writes this. Are you ready? Here's what Solomon writes. The king after David Proverbs 22, verses 1 says, listen to what he says. He says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. A good name, loving favor rather than silver and gold. Because I'm going to tell you, you can't put a price on loving favor. Loving favor will Pick you up when you fall down, will get you out of trouble when you're in trouble. Loving favor will bless you even when you are blessed and keep you when you're not. Loving favor will always be there for you and nothing can stop it. Love never fails. Loving favor, loving favor, rather than silver and gold. The rich and the poor have this in common the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The Lord is the maker of the rich, the poor, the mediocre, those that work from a 9 to 5 or 8 to 5 or whatever your schedule is, to those who own their own businesses, to those that have higher bank accounts and those that are overdraft. He's the God of all. But listen to what he says right here. What's the defining difference? This is coming from the mouth of the richest king ever. This is coming from the mouth of the wisest king ever. He says, The Lord is the maker of them all. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. In other words, you don't go to evil. What is evil? Anything opposite of God's commandments or goodness or instruction. The opposing force that when you intentionally go against what the king is saying, I believe that's what evil is. He says this, but the simple pass on and are punished. The simple, those that don't consider, those that don't think about it, those that just say, ah, it don't matter, and they're punished. In other words, there are repercussions. And then he says, by the humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. There are good people that succeed. And there are people that are evil that also succeed, but they both have a different God. Everyone has a choice. Solomon is serving God in this moment in his life. He has not allowed other idols to come in. He's not been influenced by his wives. He is now writing principles in the beginning of this and telling everybody, here are the principles and this is what we need to do and this is how you need to live. And I'll show that to you in the beginning of his life where his heart was right. But by the humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Thorns and thistles and snares in the way. Are in the way of the perverse. He who guards his soul will be far from them. Now watch this. He says all of that and then he says this. Train up a child in the way he should go. What way is that? He just told us. He just told us this way. These are the principles. Train up a child. Train up a child. Teach Your children, let's rephrase that, teach your wife, teach your employees, teach the influence people that are coming to you and asking you for advice. Why? Because you're truly helping them for long-term success and not just success, but also eternal life. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Somebody didn't teach every king this. Somebody wasn't trained. Manasseh wasn't trained. According to scripture, had he been trained in this, he would have considered. That's not to say that God didn't give him a second chance. But you know, the extent of your training, the extent you want to write this down. This is just coming to me. The <laughs> like, this is just coming fresh right now. The extent of your training will determine the extent of your success. The extent of your training will. And to me, when I say success. Success for me is being in the will of God and being fruitful and getting results. The extent and the depth of your training is no different than a tree growing deep roots. No different. Which leads to the second point. Kings are responsible for everyone under their leadership. Remember, remember, folks, y- y- you need a reality check. We all need one every once in a while because there are some days you're like, I don't know about this king business. Well, you'll understand it once you understand your influence and authority. If you're ever walking with God and God gives you authority and you start walking in it, you'll understand that God blesses authority in increments. The Lord distributes His authority in increments. Authority is given in stages, based on the depth and the understanding. Because listen, let's just face it. Would you give your 12 year old the keys to every car, to every key that you own, to every lock in your life, to your job? To every, Would you give your 12 year old the keys? I'm telling you. Think of all the things that's valuable to you, and all the things. You, would you actually tell them, "Okay, go do what you want"? Mom, Dad, I'm hungry. The car's outside. I gave you the keys. What? Huh? I'm just asking because they had a king at the age of 12 who called the shots. Can you imagine their life? So someone knew, "Ah, you know what? This is a moment. This is our moment. Somebody took advantage of it and said, this is our time to influence Manasseh. I think Isaiah, this is just my thinking, but I think Isaiah was one of the very few that tried to influence him in the right way, and I think he was outnumbered. I think he was outnumbered. I think all, I think all the wolves came in and s- surrounded Manasseh. Somebody came in. Maybe it was somebody from the days of his grandfather. Who said, now's our chance to restore the high places. Now's our chance to manipulate, to manipulate him. He's only 12 years old. So everybody, set somebody in this place. Everybody. Do you know raising children or being a leader, it requires a good community. You've got to surround yourself with people that believe like you do if you're going to be healthy in your growth. And you also have to make sure that you set the tone for your family in your home and what you allow and disallow in your living space. Because if it's not of God, kick it out right now because it will become a stumbling block. I, 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 can't, I can't emphasize enough how important it is. When you start having grandchildren, it's like a rebirth. When I hold my granddaughter, it's like holding my daughter when she was younger. It's like God gave me another chance to be an influence in my life. And I, I got to tell you, I've revived my life and my prayer life and my discipline and my, my consecration. It just makes me want to live for God more. Because when I die, when I pass, and, and you got to think about this. When you go and you pass, are you going to leave a mantle of anointing? Or are you going to give them demons that you never dealt with? You got to think about this because demons don't die. And so this is why familiar spirits come in and try to visit your children. Those demons that were in Ahaz's life, they came to visit Manasseh. Hezekiah dealt with them, but they just skipped over him. So he had a choice, but he was so young. He was so young. I want to show you something. I want to show you one thing. If you don't get anything else from this, get this today. And I'm I'm coming to a close soon. I believe the Lord was disturbed on how kings, when you look at the scripture, and why judgment came to kings, not just based on what they did, but how they made an example and taught others what to do. The scripture says that he went and erected the high places, the places where the idols and false gods were worshipped. Oh, man. Lord Jesus, help me. I want to say this before I forget it. There was a time, there was a time in Manasseh's life where he, God judged him. He fulfilled what he said in the scripture text here in 2 Kings 21 and said that he would take Jerusalem and they would become captives and they would be taken. He was taken by the Assyrians. History also tells us you know how they took Manasseh? My son, we did a study last week. And, and here's what history tells us they took him and put a hook in his nose. A hook. And they bound him in chains, and they dragged him, and he walked eight hundred miles to his captivity. He was a prized possession. Can I ask you a question? Where was his gods? Where was his gods? Even when our God is quiet, He still shows up. Even when our God is quiet. Our God still shows up. Yeah. You want to know what happened to Manasseh? He repented and said, Lord, forgive me. It was such a heartfelt prayer of repentance that was so sincere. You want to know what happened? God restored him back to Jerusalem as king. Amen. It's mind-boggling to me. Because I would have been like, oh no, no, no. We're not letting that spoil brat come back over here. Forget it. We're better off without that guy. The scripture says he was worse than all the Amorites. So let's take the list of the two evils. Can you imagine? But the scripture says he knew that God was God and what he did, he undid everything he had done. Took the high places down, kicked the idols out and he established a wall around the city of David and he began to establish worship once again and God began to bless him. Don't allow the devil to hook you and drag you your entire life just to bring you to a place where, okay, I give in. The best thing you and I could do is stay tender to God and deal with things when they're small and deal with things when they're little before they get matured and become monsters. I'm going to throw something. I got to say it right now. Uh, I don't care who turns me into CPS. You need to spank that little baby. That's why God gave them that tushy on the bottom that's so thick. Man, you want to know why I don't do bad things? Because I got the chancla when I was growing up. That's why I don't do certain things. I'm going to go back old school and just tell somebody right here you're afraid to spank your child because somebody's going to call the officer on you. I'm afraid to, sp- listen, I wasn't afraid of the officers growing up. I was afraid of the chancla. I was afraid of the belt. He who spares, Solomon also wrote, he who spares the rod spoils his child consequences for doing wrong you don't do it in anger you do it out of love and you console them they're just parenting one-on-one for those of you that need some help I don't know if you need help or not but I'm just telling you don't be afraid birds are too big I can't correct them take their phone away are you paying for their service you know I, I discovered an idol in my life a few weeks ago you want you want to know what it was Facebook oh you don't have idols in your life that you don't you don't need to get rid of I'm just telling you I found one in my life I didn't know it was an idol you want to know how I know it was an idol you want to can I tell you how I knew it was an idol okay I was more dependent on that than I was prayer for helping my endeavors in business Here, John knew it was an idol and my dependence on it. I deleted it from my phone. Now for those of you who are friends with me, what you've been seeing lately, that's my wife. When I'm off a of Facebook or I'm out of town, she goes crazy. It's like an influencer. She's having fun right now. But for me, it was a distraction for me, so I had to take a break and get away. and And I, and I deleted the, the the icon. and And here's how I know I was dependent. A number of times when I sat down, automatically pulled my phone out, went to it to click it. It wasn't. I was like, "Where'd it go? Oh, I forgot. I deleted it." I can't tell you how many times. Oh God, oh, God. sit down. Walking around. What's there? It was. I was like, oh my God, man, the muscle memories. Like, if this was like three-pointers, I'd be winning every game. (laughs) Like automatically. I knew where it was. I didn't have to. I mean, I'm telling you, there are some addictions in your life that will take you away from God. And it was a distraction to my prayer life and my dependency. So I, you know, you gotta just say, okay, enough is enough. Now you gotta find the idols in your life. You have to find the idols in your life and get rid of them if they're making you more dependent on them more than it is God. Because those things can lead to other things, many other things. Kings are responsible for everyone under their leadership. Here's one I want to show you. Come on up here, sweetheart. Come on, baby. here's, Here's what I want to know. How do I stop? How do I stop from living under the curse of iniquity and the repercussions of God not blessing me. And when I say God not blessing, please detach money from that. We're not talking about money. We're talking about the spiritual favor and the loving favor of God in your life. Money's par for the course. Anybody can make money. We're talking about favor. The favor that keeps you saved. The favor that keeps you in alignment with the kingdom. The favor that's going to get you to heaven the unmerited favor and the blessings of God in your life that will surround you, that will keep your marriage strong, that will keep your family together, that will open up opportunities for you to reach out, to become closer. I mean, there's some things that money can't buy. How many of you believe that those are the most important things in life? Right here. But I want to show you where God blessed kings. The richest king there ever was made this prayer Solomon 1 Kings chapter 3 He said to the Lord you showed loving faithful love faithful love to your servant my father David because he was honest and true and faithful to you and you have continued your faithful love to him today by giving him son to sit on his throne it was extended he inherited the loving favor, the faithful love that was shown to David. He embraced it. How? He asked for it. David helped it. He was compliant to the commandments of God and did everything right. Solomon was blessed because he was thoughtful. He cared. What's this. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David. But I am like a little child. An old man, an older guy that says, I'm like a child. The difference between Manasseh and Solomon was, Manasseh was a child. Solomon was older, but he became a child. He humbled himself. This is what the scripture says to us, except you become like a little child, you cannot inherit or grow into the kingdom of God. You want to know men's greatest challenges? Men, you want to know what your greatest challenge is? I probably can help you right now, Lord willing, but can I help you? Can I help you really quickly? Can I tell you what your biggest challenge is? When you go to God, you're trying to be a man. God wants you to be a little boy. He wants you to become a boy again and approach him and talk to him like a son. He'll make a man out of you, but you got to be a boy first. A boy in faith, trusting your father. A boy in being learned and being submissive and learning and say, Lord Jesus, Holy Ghost, Father, help me. Help me. I'm a child ready to be taught and trained. He went to a child, and he said, I was like a child who doesn't know his way around. <laughs> look, how humili- look how humble he was. He said, I, I, I'm, I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. He knew his way around, but spiritually, he didn't know what to do. Here I am in the midst of your chosen people. Now watch this. A nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so I can govern your people well. So I can govern your people well. And know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased with Solomon, for he had asked for wisdom. It pleased God. But why did Solomon ask for wisdom? It wasn't for himself more than it was the other people. Why did God judge the kings and brought them them and bring them into captivity the way they did? Because everything they did affected his people. But when kings did the right thing to affect and lead God's people in the right way, they were blessed. Solomon became very blessed. He just forgot along the way. And he did things for himself and his wives. But when he would do it for the people of God, he was blessed. Same thing with David. When David was an armor bearer and he defeated Goliath, it wasn't because David wanted to prove a point that he was able. It was because he said, who would dare defy the armies of the living God? It was for God's people. When you put yourself in the position of accountability and responsibility for those of your own household and those in your own circle of influence and you live your life for them and you ask for wisdom for them to influence them, that's when the blessings of God begin to come and the wisdom of God. And God said, because you ask for this, I'm going to give you everything else. Did you catch that? I shared this with the first church, and I want to share it with you. You know, when, I'm, when I look at my wife, I don't just see my wife. I see God's child. I know that sounds crazy. But there are a lot of times as husbands I can vouch for myself that I can be selfish. Selfish to the point where I would take her attention away from God at times just so I can have her attention. And I had to learn the hard way from God who corrected me and taught me how to be a better husband. I'm not the best husband. I get cranky. I get mad. We have intense fellowship. Disagreements at times. But I will tell you, it doesn't last long. Because we understand something. Something person you're married to belongs to God. They're a gift. They're a gift. You want a woman to give you scripture for that? He that finds a wife finds a good thing and attains favor from the Lord. What I'm telling you is, is that everyone around you in your life, it belongs to the Lord. And we have to give an account for that. But you can ignore God for so long and then becomes becomes hardened, your heart becomes hard, and you don't recognize it. But when you start to recognize that the person sitting next to you and around the way from you, that's your brother, that's your sister, that's a child of God. And more importantly, more than anything else, we need to make sure that they serve God. And I can't allow myself to trip them up because of my idols my idols in my life I don't want my children or my grandchildren having to deal with demons because I had idols you can you can believe me I've seen it time and time again if I'm a pastor and I just told you and I pray and I seek God but if I just told you I had an idol I had to deal with I think everybody needs to check their house I mean I think everybody needs to stop and do an evaluation and say Lord Jesus if there's anything in my life show me help me Help me. I know it's not a big idol. I mean, you're kind of like, well, really, Pastor Bobby? Facebook? Hey, listen. If Facebook was getting my attention and I wasn't praying, you'd feel it up here. I would feel it, and God would let me feel it. And I'd be like, okay, Lord, forgive me. I got to give more time to prayer because this ain't working. When I don't pray, things don't start working out. I just got to tell you why because I'm responsible I'm responsible have some of you men and women ever been in a place in your life where you were praying consistently and you notice how God was moving in your family how things were working out but when you stop praying you start having all this drama and all this problem am I the only one that doesn't recognize this and then when problems do occur it was like speed bumps it didn't matter God gave you the wisdom gave you the solution gave you the peace and you kept on going and you can tell the difference Life will never be void of problems, and life will never be void of demons. But you can put yourself in a position of the Most High God who will shelter you and keep His loving favor upon you and have His faithful love in your life. And he will keep you and hold you and protect you. And even if you're surrounded by armies, even if you have 185,000 soldiers against you, and one strike, God can come down and deal with every single one of them as long as you stay faithful to him. This is all about worshiping God. This is all about staying in his favor. Here's what I want to show you right here. I want to end with this as you stand to your feet. The favor of the king is given to those who seek him for an understanding heart. The favor of the king eternal, immortal, invisible is given to those who seek him for an understanding heart to lead others. If you're leading someone here, I want you to go ahead and lift up your hands and ask the Lord. Lord Jesus, give me an understanding heart. I want you to do that right now. If you feel like I've gone so far off, I don't know where to go. Manasseh had such mercy given to him, unexplainable mercy that didn't make sense. God can restore anybody. And God can give you a second chance to rebuild anything. You just have to get rid of the idols get rid of the high places get rid of old mindsets that's the high places get rid of old mindsets and old ideas that this is the way i do it this is the way things are done i'm my own man i'm my own woman i don't need god i beg to differ everyone one day the scripture says every tongue We'll confess, and every knee shall bow, that Jesus Christ is Lord. We all need God. We all need God, even today. You need God in your family if you're going to have peace in your family. You're going to need God in your family when calamity comes. You're going to need God in your family when troubles come. You're going to need God in your family. Why don't you make him your Lord right now instead of waiting till later? Why don't we just get ahead of the game and build momentum and let God begin to set parameters around us to protect our children, to protect our marriage, to protect our relationships, to guard our businesses. Why don't we just allow the Spirit of God to set boundaries right now by making Him number one, by making Him our God. So, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, right now, right now in this place, right now in this moment, we worship you and you alone right now in this place we worship you and you alone and you become lord and god of our lives will you lift up your voice to your king and tell him you're so worthy you're worthy you're worthy let us sobriety let us soberness god fill the atmosphere let there be a shift in people's hearts and people's minds right now right now in the name of the lord mighty 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 jesus right now Remove all things right now. Remove all idols in our lives. Take this moment right now to say, Lord, search me. I get rid of these things. I, I just set them aside. Cast them out right now in the name of Jesus. I cast them out far from me in the name of Jesus. I am not going to follow God, the heathens. I am not going to worship like heathens. I'm going to worship my God. Come on, let's lift up our voices and sing.